0: Recapping the nightmare and aims, Pete's picks and projections for this week, a basketball schedule for 23 and 24, and a whole lot more, this is Pete's Playbook. That's not true! So get your facts straight. Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. It is. It is time for another edition of the Pete's Playbook Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan McKee. We've got a lot to get into today, so let's jump into it. So the pokes go down in Ames 34-27. Iowa State's passing game came out and looked really good, and our defense had gaps all over the place in the secondary without Lyric rolls. Oklahoma State had a balanced attack rushing to passing, and we finally have a starting quarterback in Alan Bowman. He looked... okay... He goes 23 of 48, 278 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. It's nothing to write home about, but it's not a bad performance. He's not the guy that I would have picked, but I'm glad we finally picked one. I wouldn't mind Rangel getting the same full game experience as well and seeing what he could do in this offense. Speaking of this offense, we had miscues all over the place. The receivers and Alan Bowman were not on the same page at all. He's throwing routes that they're not running, or they're running the wrong routes, something. But that's got to get fixed. We also had two turnovers, and both of those were bad reads by Alan Bowman. I don't think, from what I could tell, that the receivers ran the wrong route, or it wasn't a tipped ball, none of that. It was just a bad read, and it happens. Uh, we still can't run block, but the pass protection was better. We only gave up one sack. Now, that one sack was for negative 12 yards, but we only gave up one sack. The play calling was slightly better. The Allen Bowman rushing touchdown was a great play call. The passing touchdown to Jaden Nixon was awesome. Uh, we finally got Ollie Gordon on the edge, and he goes off for 71 yards until the last drive. And we go eight straight passing plays, seven of which targeted Dejon Stripling and ended in an interception to lose the game. What are we doing, Casey Dunn? what has been working all game that you had plenty of time to run. You just threw it out the window right at the end. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Ollie Gordon had a pretty good day. He had 18 carries for 121 yards. That's 6.7 per carry. But then you remember back that he had one rushing attempt for 71 yards... So if you take that one out, he's got 17 carries for 50 yards, which is 2.9 per carry. You don't see any Elijah Collins. Jaden Nixon only had two attempts, but he didn't have a great day rushing. He did have the catch for a touchdown, which was, again, really good. But he had two carries for five yards. So as a team, you rush 24 times for 131 yards. It's 5.1 per carry. That seems like a good day. But again, you take out the Ollie Gordon 71-yard run and you're 23 for 60 yards. That's 2.6 per carry. That's not a consistent run game. That was one big run and then a pretty lackluster run game. Not something that can sustain drives. Now again, the defense was hurting without Lear Crawls. They gave up 348 passing yards to a freshman quarterback and had no interceptions. The run defense was stout. They only gave up seventy-four rushing yards. There were no gaps anywhere to run through, no big runs. So it looked good on that side. But then we let a freshman quarterback throw the ball all over the yard and look like a Heisman trophy candidate. Altogether it was a pretty even game. Total yards was close, penalties were close, score was close. The difference was a quarterback Rocco Becht goes 27 of 38 for 348 yards and three touchdowns. Alan Bowman was 23 of 48 for 278 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. That is two interceptions for the Cowboys and zero turnovers for the Cyclones. And that's what sealed it for the Cowboys. They couldn't overcome it. So we opened the season at 2-2, two and two and you gotta ask yourself... Does it get any better from here? Is Mike Gundy firmly on the hot seat? Are we finally going to do something about Casey Dunn? That last drive to go and win the game was brutal. It was ugly. The play calling was stale again. It's like everything tightened up right at the last second. And instead of going to win the game, you went and tried not to lose it. And then you did anyways. And then after the game, Mike Gundy says, well, we rushed the ball pretty well, so we got that fixed. Well, no, not really. You had one good run. Well, we protected the quarterback pretty well. Yeah, that's true. But you can't run block. Even without being able to run block, we still ran it between the tackles the whole time, except for the one big run. The stubbornness is what kills me. If it's not working, try something new try something different try to win games we just hit the 16 year mark of the I'm a man I'm 40 rant and cowboy fans all over Twitter are like man I would love to see this type of passion and drive out of Mike Gundy again and they're not wrong we haven't seen it in 10 years maybe more I don't know I think he's firmly on that hot seat now two and two is not a great start especially when looking down the schedule you don't see a whole lot of wins left Coming into this season, everybody's like, oh, this schedule's a bunch of cupcakes, except for two. And now we're looking at the schedule going, where's the next win? Houston, maybe? Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Mike Gundy's not a good coach. He's a great coach. I am beyond appreciative for everything that he's done for this program. The heights that he's taken us to are brand new for this university. He's had more success than any other coach at Oklahoma State. The bowl streak, while not something huge to brag about, is nice. And we've seen some really good teams. We've had some really good players. We've got a two-time Blitnikoff Award winner. We've got another Blitnikoff Award winner. We've got a Heisman finalist. We've got guys in the NFL all over the place. But it just isn't working like it used to. And I don't know if the right answer is to fire Mike Gundy but we got to try something and we got to do it now cuz realignment's not done. And Mike Gundy says he's not worried not worried about it because we're, you know, we're a top 30 program in the nation. Not right now. We're not top 30 in anything right now. And while he's had a great record, we've got one conference championship. We've got zero playoff appearances. We've got two New Year's Six bowls. So while it has been a great run with Mike Gundy, if you want to take the next step, I don't think he's the guy, and I think it might be time to try something new. And speaking of something new, we've got new Pete's Picks and Projections. Now if you want to see these, you can watch on YouTube, you'll be able to see it on there, or you can find it on my Twitter, at Pete's Playbook. But this week's slate, we've got BYU hosting Cincinnati, Texas hosting Kansas, Texas Tech hosting Houston, UCF hosting Baylor, OU hosting Iowa State, TCU hosting West Virginia, and Kansas State and Oklahoma State on a bye. So going through my picks on these games, I've got Cincinnati beating BYU. I've got Texas scraping by Kansas. I've got Tech beating Houston. I've got UCF beating Baylor handedly. I've got OU stomping the floor with Iowa State. I've got TCU beating West Virginia. All of these picks are based off of the numbers, as always, data-driven. And some of these might shock you a little bit. Cincinnati at BYU pulling off the upset. That's what the numbers say. Texas only beating Kansas by three. That's what the numbers say. We'll just have to wait and see. Now, Pete's projections... Again, I took all of the rushing yards per game, passing yards per game, total yards per game, and points per game, as well as rushing yards allowed, passing yards allowed, total yards allowed, and points allowed for each team in the Big 12. Ran it through the entire Big 12 schedule, and this is what it came out to. And some of it is surprising. So I used that to come up with wins and losses, and then ranked them based off of that. And at one, the doomsday scenario is OU. The numbers have them going 12-0, 9-0 in conference. They also have the highest passing yards per game, the highest points per game, and the least amount of points allowed per game in the Big 12. So you can kind of see how, you, how it gets there. Surprise number one is Kansas State at two. The numbers have them going 10-2, and 8-1 and in conference with a win over Texas. Kansas State allows the fewest rushing yards per game so you can see how their defense would be a tough out for anybody. Number three is Texas. Solid team across the board, not leading in any stat, but not the worst in any stat, and pretty good at all of them. Texas at 10-2, and 7-2 and 2 in conference. Number three, tied at three with Texas. Is UCF also 10 and 2, 7 and 2 in conference? They hold the best rushing yards per game average and the best total yards per game average. It's a very high powered offense and a defense that again gets timely stops. At number five, we've got Kansas 9 and 3, 6 and 3. This would be Kansas's best finish in the Big 12 in a very long time, maybe ever. And again, Kansas leads nor trails in any of the categories, but they're Pretty solid at all of them. Tied at six, we've got Cincinnati and TCU, both eight and four, six and three, both pretty average across the board in all of the stats. At eight, we've got BYU. Now BYU has the worst rushing game in the Big Twelve, but they only give up fifteen point seven points a game. They only allow ninety nine point seven rushing yards a game. West Virginia at nine, six and six, four and five, has the worst passing yards per game in the conference, but they only give up 20 points, and they only allow 93 rushing yards. Iowa State and Tech tied at 10, both 3 and 9, 2 and 7. Iowa State has the worst total yards per game, but they also have the least amount of passing yards allowed and the least amount of total yards allowed per game, and they only allow 13 points per game. Tech, while not leading or trailing in any of those categories... They're average at everything, but slightly below average at everything. And then at 12, you've got Oklahoma State, 3-9, and 1-8 and 8 in conference. Subpar at everything, but not the worst at anything. 13, you've got Baylor at 2-10, 1-8 in conference. They score the least amount of points of any team in the Big 12 right now at 20. They're also one of two teams that allows more points than they score on average. They allow 23, and they only score 20. And then rounding out the bottom, you've got Houston, 2-10, and 0-9 in conference. And they are the worst at rushing yards allowed, passing yards allowed, total yards allowed, and points allowed in the Big 12. And you can see how having the worst defense across the board fares up against the rest of the Big 12. So again, you've got OU at 1, Kansas State at 2, Texas and UCF tied at 3. Kansas at 5, Cincinnati and TCU tied at 6, BYU at 8, West Virginia at 9, Iowa State and Tech at 10, Oklahoma State at 12, Baylor at 13, and Houston at 14. This is eerily close to the doomsday scenario for the Big 12. Kansas State doesn't pull off the upset against Texas, and you've got an OU versus Texas Big 12 championship game the year that they're leaving. That's not good. That is the worst case scenario for the hateful eight. Now a couple other interesting things to note here is the way that this is broken into quadrants. The top four teams are leading in a category or multiple categories. They're not trailing in any of the categories and they're pretty good at all of them. The next four are pretty solid across the board, not leading or trailing at anything, and they're just pretty good. The four after that may be trailing in a category, but they're either really good or the best at something else. And then the bottom four are either subpar, below average at everything, or they're trailing at multiple things and not really good at anything. And if Texas proves anything with this, it just goes to show that you don't have to be the best at everything to be the best in the conference. You just have to be good across the board. You got to be solid on offense. You got to be solid on defense and all of those stats. You don't have to only allow eight points a game. As long as you're scoring 35 and you're only giving up 12 and a half, you're going to win a lot of games. But if you're Houston or Baylor, who's scoring 20 and giving up 23, you're scoring 27 and giving up 31, you're going to lose a lot of games. And if you're Tech or OSU and you just aren't really good at anything, but you're not the worst at anything, you're also not going to win very many games. But to be at the top, you have to be good across the board. You can't have any gaps. This conference has so much parity in it, year in and year out, and it's because there's usually a load of teams that are really good at one thing and really bad at another thing. But this year, you've got four or five teams that are pretty good across the board and that's where you see this gap where from from west virginia at nine who's six and six the last team that's going to make a bowl game to ten is three and nine you've got a severe drop off there because you've got teams that are not really good at anything Now, I'll keep these numbers up to date, and we'll update this each week, and we'll roll through it, and hopefully things change for the better. But right now, that's what we got. Now, rolling into the next topic, we got basketball news. Now, I know football is what everybody cares about. It's where all the money comes in. It's what drives everything. But my favorite above all else is basketball. It is a numbers-driven game. If you're bad at a position, people will exploit it. It cannot be covered up. It is my favorite. And we've got the 2023-2024 Oklahoma State basketball schedule. I'm not going to talk about every game on this schedule. There's way too much to talk about. But we'll cover a few of the non-conference, and then we'll really dig in to the conference schedule. So we open the season on November 6th against Abilene Christian, same Abilene Christian that beat UT in the March Madness. Just saying we've also got Saint Bonaventure on there. that'll be cool playing in the playing in the Legends classic again in Brooklyn would be a nice homecoming for Mike Boynton. We've got Creighton in Gallagher-Iba on November 30th and we've got ORU on December 17th in Gallagher-Iba. That'll be a good one. Now looking at the non con- or at the conference schedule. You open up at home against Baylor, and then on the road against Tech, on the road against Iowa State, at home against Kansas, on the road against Kansas State, and at home against TCU. Now, for those of you that don't remember last year, those five teams all finished in the top six of the conference last year. That is the top half of the conference, minus Texas. That is a tough open to the conference slate for Oklahoma State, especially with three of those on the road. Now, last year, OSU dropped both games to Baylor, but they beat Tech twice. They beat Iowa State twice. They dropped both games to Kansas and Kansas State, and they split with TCU. If you can make it out of those first 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 games with 3 wins, that's a solid start. If you drop all 6, that's that's tough. But then after that, you've got West Virginia at home, you've got Kansas on the road Kansas State at home then you've got Houston at Houston that is a very tough game Houston is a great program right now that'll be a tough one to open up against the new teams then you've got at OU should be a win got BYU at home that'll be cool at Cincinnati that's a tough one OU at home should be a win UCF at home This is a UCF team that we did lose to last year. You've got UT in Austin. It's a tough place to win. you got Tech at home, and then you play at BYU. So you're looking at this schedule, and every single one of these games, minus maybe the Bedlam games, maybe the BYU games, but you look across the board here, and there's not a bad team on this schedule. Every single one of these teams in the Big 12 is so good at basketball. Now, the Big 12 has been the highest-rated conference in basketball for many years now, and I would expect that to continue with the additions of UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. BYU was not a huge boost, but they're not a bad program. So the conference slate for Oklahoma State is not going to be easy. It is going to be the same thing that it's been for the last few years. It's a slugfest, and a team that goes 500 in conference will likely make it to March Madness. Wins are going to be hard to come by, though. None of these games are easy. And in a year where Mike Boynton's starting out kind of on the hot seat, we've been saying for years, oh, give him time. Oh, we had the NCAA sanctions, so, you know, you can't really count that. Let's give him a little more time. Just a little bit more time. We still had some, some residuals left. This is his team. These are his guys. There's no excuses. If you're going to win, now's the time to do it. But Oklahoma State's got a pretty good team. You got Nas Brown coming back, Bryce Thompson coming back. You bring in Eric Daly Jr., you got Keon Williams coming back. You bring in Javon Small, Justin McBride, Brandon Garrison, Isaiah Miranda, and you've got John Michael Wright coming back. They've got players across the board on this team. Every single one of these guys was a highly touted recruit, and the recruiting class for next year is currently top ten. But if Mike Boynton wants to use that top 10 recruiting class, you got to win. There's no more excuses. There's no more time. There's no more waiting. Now's the time. You know, for years we had Eddie Sutton, who didn't go recruit the top guys, but he won basketball games. Then we went to Sean Sutton, who did the same thing. And then we went to Travis Ford, who recruited the lights out, but he couldn't win games. And then we had a nice year there with Brad Underwood, where he took guys that nobody else wanted and won a lot of games. Well, he leaves for Illinois, and we're left with Mike Boynton, and everybody loves him. He buys into the culture. He loves Stillwater. He's a good person. And he starts recruiting the lights out. And people are thinking, well, I mean, if he can coach, if he can win games, this could be the guy for a while. But he just hasn't won games. It's it's another Travis Ford. Great recruits not winning games. So now's the time for Mike Boynton and company. Last year, this team did not shoot the ball very well, and I think that was mainly due to shot selection. So if you can turn around and have better shot selection and therefore better shooting percentage, if you can draw plays to get guys open shots instead of whatever we were running last year, this team has the chance to be really good. I'm not going to make any predictions just yet. It's too early. I want to see a couple games before I do that. But all the pieces are there. You just got to go win games. And I really hope he does it because I like Mike Boynton. But we're in the business of winning, not just recruiting. But it's go time. Mike Gundy and company, they got some problems to figure out on the football field. They got a bye week to do it. And then they got Kansas State. We got new Pete's projections and picks. You can find those on Twitter. But it's time for Mike Boynton to start winning games. I know you've got a tough conference slate ahead of you, but it's the Big 12. It's where everybody wants to be playing basketball. It's time to start winning. So that's what we got for this week. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your family. Give us a like, follow. If you want to see more content like this or you want to find Pete's Projections and Picks, you can find me on Twitter, at Pete's Playbook. You can find the podcast on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, YouTube. We're everywhere now. Hopefully basketball can turn this athletic season around, or maybe football can figure it out. Who knows? As always, go pokes. And until next time, see ya.